may have been doubting for a really long time. The questions build up and all of a sudden, poof, you've got doubt. We all doubt things. We doubt ourselves. We doubt the people around us. We doubt ideas that people have, like, is that for real? Is that going to work? The safety of things. Sometimes I go on big rides and I'm just a little doubtful if they're going to be safe. Or even if God is real. Doubting God may feel scary or even wrong, but over the next few weeks, we're going to go through the ideas that doubt can actually be a very reasonable thing to do. Believe it or not, doubt can help us grow closer to God. Raise your hand if you've ever seen the footage of someone walking on the moon. The first moonwalk. Have you seen it? Okay. Can you play it? This is, this is footage from NASA. It takes a little bit to get there. Okay, Neil, we can see you coming down the ladder now. Yeah, I'm going to step off the land now. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. How is the quality of the TV? Oh, it's beautiful, Mike. It really is. Oh, geez, that's great. Is the lighting halfway decent? Yes, indeed. They've got the flag up now, and you can see the stars and stripes on the lunar surface. Beautiful, just beautiful. It's difficult to imagine. So there's been 12 people since 1969 when they first did this that have walked on the moon. My question for you, raise your hand if you think this actually happened. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if it didn't happen. Okay, I have a confession. I kind of wonder why did we put people on the moon for three years and we stopped? Like that is my biggest defense of going, did this really happen? I have doubt, and I know you all have big feelings about me having doubt about this, but I have to say that I have reasonable doubt, and I have not investigated it more than what I've just told you. So, but I just kind of wonder, okay? You all probably have facts in your back pocket that I would love to hear someday, just not right now. When I was a kid, I was different than most kids. I was curious, and I did ask why. Remember last week we talked about how why, why, why? But for the most part, I believed my teachers and adults. I did what they told me or believed what they told me. I didn't really question it. Okay, maybe I totally didn't believe what they told me, but I was obedient. Or maybe certain times the things were important, they weren't important to me, so I didn't really ask questions about them. Then I hit this age of being a teenager, and I questioned everything way beyond why. And what I learned at this stage is that questions made adults feel uncomfortable and annoyed and almost challenged. When kids are little, we don't give them permission. Oh, it's okay. You can ask all the questions you want. And then when we hit like middle school, adulthood, it's like no one asks a question and it gets uncomfortable. 
even worry what people think when we ask our questions. And we have these questions in our bodies and minds, and we're like, who are we supposed to ask? I'm not saying this is the right way to live our life. It's just the way it is. And now I disagree with it, and I work really hard to stay curious and ask questions, even if they make it uncomfortable. Because of me asking questions, it's led me to grow in areas of my life, in almost all areas of my life. Maybe you don't voice your questions because you think people will judge you. Maybe you stay quiet because you don't want to be the dumb one or like pe to, people to know that you're confused. Maybe it comes to, when it comes to faith or belief in God, someone told you, this is what we believe. Don't question it. So you don't want to seem disobedient. What if questions, instead of being the enemy of our faith, are actually the way that we grow deeper? What's caused you to doubt recently? It could be something you heard in science class, and you wonder, can God exist and science? It could be the loss of someone you love that makes it difficult to stay hopeful. If there's something that the prophets in the Bible were familiar with, it was doubt. They were often asked to deliver messages on God's behalf to people who doubted God and his promises. Like a parent telling you the same thing over and over, the prophets did this for God's people, for God. And in the Old Testament, God created the nation of Israel, the Israelites, and they were his chosen people. But through this nation, there were often power struggles between nations. People would stray away from what God told them because they lost patience or focus. Some people lost their faith in, and didn't believe that God would keep his promises. It was in the middle of one of these waves of doubt that the prophet Isaiah was sent to speak to his people. Have you ever read poetry in school and you're like, oh my goodness, I get one line and then like the two next two don't make sense and then I get another line and I'm like, okay, I think I got it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Have you been there? Because I've been there with poetry. What Isaiah, how he wrote his, God's words is like a poem. So I'm going to give you the lines that are the most clear to me. Isaiah 41, listen to me in silence. Let the people renew their strength. God is talking through Isaiah. He gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. He pursues them and passes on safely. But you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. God is saying, I have chosen these people. I'm with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah says that God knows that the people are fearful. He isn't offended by it. Instead, he says, I'm with you. Do not be afraid. These words happened 700 years before Jesus. So there was a lot of waiting to be like, what is God doing? And then Jesus comes. And he reveals himself, and people don't doubt that he actually keeps his promises. But not everyone believed that Jesus was. We've talked about this for the last five weeks about Jesus. And so we're going to go back there. 
Remember, we're at the table. He's gathered his disciples. We're going back to John, so you can go to page 901. John 14. He gathers his disciples. He's washed their feet. He has said, one's going to be a traitor and one's going to deny me. And he washes their feet and they're sitting there and Jesus continues to talk to them. Did you find it? He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. If we stop reading right there, I have so many questions, and I've written down a few. Where are you going, Jesus? Where is this house? Is there really room for everyone? How do we get to the house? How does believing in God have anything to do with these rooms? Do you have any questions that came out? You can shout it out if you do. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know? I love Thomas. They call him Doubting Thomas, but I love his realness because he's like, I don't get it. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you had all have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and have, not, and have seen him. Jesus tells Thomas, he is the way. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, and I'm trying not to be sassy because I don't believe that Jesus was sassy with these words, but they could be taken that way, so I'm trying really hard. Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the work themselves. Philip takes the questions to a whole nother level. I feel like, you know how, have your parents, or have you ever seen it where they take your cheeks and they're like, listen to me. I feel like that's what Jesus is doing to the disciples. Like, I'm not trying to be sassy, I'm not trying to be mad, but do you hear me? I really need you to hear my words. Or have you ever said something and you feel like you've used all the correct words to get the other people to understand and they still don't get it? I'm going to admit, that's how I feel about one day. I feel like I've said all the words to get you guys to understand this event and you're all like, what are we doing? I want to retreat. That's how I feel. So I feel like Jesus is grabbing their cheeks and insane. I don't want you to be fearful. I am with you. It goes on. Truly, truly, Jesus goes on. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that, works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, 
that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He's making a promise to them to assure them he's not leaving them. Yes, he may not be physically there, but you'll learn next week that he's giving them something. He's trying to shift their focus from the circumstances to the God who assists in their circumstances. He's not abandoning them. He's not forgetting them. We have to take a detour. You know when you're driving and you're like, a detour? Are you joking? I don't have time for this. But I need to take a detour. Because Jesus says the most controversial words that he has ever said in verse 6. Let's go back. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Some people look at these words and go, how dare he? How dare he say that he's the only way? What if there's other ways? Isn't that arrogant? And the problem with this is that once you take Jesus off his throne, you put something else here. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's Buddha. Maybe it's um, Muhammad. Maybe it, I don't know. Maybe it's friends, whatever it is. But if we take Jesus off his throne and say he's not the way, then we have a totally different belief. N.T. Wright says, the belief that all religions are really the same sounds nice and democratic, though the study of religions quickly shows that it isn't true. No other world religion can guarantee people salvation after life. Every person that I've talked to who has been of a different religion, I'm like, do you know that you have a life after this? And they're like, well, I do really good things and I follow the rules, but do you know? They can't. They don't really know. Then there are other people who have taken Jesus off the throne and say, man-made religion? That's just man-made. We don't need religion. I am my own. It's all about happiness and joy. It's YOLO. You only live once. You take whatever it is. And, you take whatever it is and you make it the thing. I'm going to do this because this makes me happy. I'm going to do this because this makes me happy. Can I have you walk out that door? Thank you. And so whatever happens is you just continuously, you'll never be fulfilled. It's the only religion that truly satisfies your soul. Yes, it is true that people of the church and followers of Jesus have misrepresented the gospel and are arrogant to their non-believers. Jesus' actions in this setting of him washing his disciples' feet is far from arrogant. Him saying that he's going to go leave the 99 to find the one, was that self-serving? When we see Jesus as his posture to his disciples and friends, we see that he is the true God. Okay, we're going to go back on the main road of asking questions. Okay, like Thomas and Philip, it's okay to admit we don't know everything. If Jesus' own disciples could sit with him and go, I still have questions. I'm not quite sure you are what you are. It's okay for us to admit that sometimes we're confused. He wasn't offended by their questions, and he isn't offended by ours either. When our doubts and questions leave us feeling confused and lost, Jesus didn't say, 
You don't get it? Come on, people. How many times do I have to show you or tell you? He just said, I am the way. Because we can trust Jesus to lead us to God, when you doubt God is real, look to Jesus. Doubt can make you feel like an alien form out of outer space. And when you start asking questions about anything, especially God, it might seem like people are staring at you, judging you, or talking about you. I remember when I had all these questions about God, I would sit in my car with my friend and ask all the questions, and this is how I felt. Insecure, confused about science and creation, uneasy about talking about hell and heaven, embarrassed for asking the same questions over and over, and sometimes disorientated when I felt and witnessed hurt, grief, and brokenness. But those feelings aren't facts. They're indication that our questions really matter to us. And we need a safe environment where we can explore them. Have you heard of the Hubble telescope? It's a telescope that's solar powered and it's out in under space. Do you have a picture? Thank you. And it sends pictures, it takes pictures and data, and I actually believe in this, that it sends information back to Earth. The thing that makes it work are mirrors that capture the images and data. Imagine, imagine having such a cool form of communication and data, but never processing it or looking at it. Every year we learn new things because of this, but only because we look at the clues and the help that it gives us. Jesus isn't a telescope, but when we have doubt, he's a little bit like a Hubble, the, the mirrors showing us images of what is true. He invites us to look at him as the image of God, loving, willing to heal, help us, forgive us, and be patient. There's also this thing with this whole space talk of gravity, and we need it. Otherwise, if we didn't have gravity, we'd fly off the earth as it would go around. We need gravity just like we need to ask questions and think deeply about our faith. Our desire to understand what's true allows us to know God better. Without it, we'd never grow. But sometimes questions are like black holes. It's a black hole, which isn't very black, but it's back to the whole taking pictures thing. Our questions and doubts can get so dark and heavy that they threaten to crush our faith completely. For God, though, gravity is nothing. God is real, present, and listening. Even in the darkest place of doubt and uncertainty. He created a space where doubt and questions and beliefs could exist for his disciples, and he does the same for us. So we want to create that space for you. So there's a bag in your small group that has black pieces of paper. And you can either write a question you have and discuss it with your group. You can either write on the black piece of paper and put it in the box. And maybe as I go, we talk about this series over the next couple weeks, I will try to answer some of your questions. But I would encourage you to be a safe place where when someone asks a question and you're like inside going duh, do not show duh. Show curiosity and compassion to the questions they have because 
Even as an adult, it can be hard to ask questions, but I learned so much from asking them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go about with all these questions in our mind and our, in our souls of what is real and what are you doing and why are we here, Lord, I just pray that we would look at you, that you give us the perfect example of who you are and you are like a mirror that shows that you are true. And as we ask these questions and we lift them up to you, Lord, give us the answers. Lead people in our lives to answer them and for us to be bold enough to speak them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.